NFL Show, part of the Mojo Sports Network. Hello everyone, welcome to the Mojo Sports Network. It's AFL Round 13. I'm joined today with Yuri Bilicic. Yuri, how are you? Hi, Julian. Great to be back on with you and another exciting round for sure. Yes, absolutely. My name is Julian Bautizar and this is the Mojo Sports Network AFL podcast on Thursday where we talk about the teams and the match previews for the round coming up, which is round 13, I will say again. <laughs> so, Yuri, this is Thursday night footy and the Thursday night matches are back. Speaking of, we are about 40 minutes or so away from St Kilda versus Sydney. It's actually Swan's home game at the SCG. The teams have come out last night. What are we thinking of the game? How does it play out? I think it's going to be a very close game, Julian, too. I think with the way Sydney over the last couple of weeks have figured out some things, and I think it all started with the Carlton game, especially I think by the second quarter, and Nick Blakey in particular, right, his run from halfback generated so much of Sydney's scoring opportunities. And what did he have? 26 disposals and 631 metres gained. The issue for Sydney, though, is you – very well know too, Julian, is the injuries. They've been decimated in the backline front. And tonight they'll get a massive reassurance with Dane Rampey returning his first game since round four against Port Adelaide. He's yep. been on the sidelines after suffering that neck injury. And his ability to play on guys taller than him, that's more standing for himself who stands at, what, 189 centimetres. Also, basically a Josh Gibson prototype mould, mm. which... Josh was playing when he was at particularly at Hawthorne after crossing from North Melbourne. So I think with the way Sydney have been at least resurrected their last couple of weeks, she'll give them confidence. I think the other part of it too as well, Joel Marty being the tactical sub tonight, it's his first game since round five after that badly torn hamstring against Richmond. It'll at least give them more forward options in a way too, because of course, Logan McDonald will still be on the sidelines with that ankle injury. Buddy, probably basically in the last, what, half of his career now, slowly getting towards the end of what's been an illustrious career. And also mm-hmm. mentioning, too, his 350th game. So it's an absolutely incredible achievement for the list of accolades that he's produced right throughout his glittering, what, 18 years in the league. I think the other part, too, saying Kilda, Julian, and they sit nicely 7-4. I think the biggest thing is, though, They've got to at least be adventurous with the shorter dimensions of the SCG. Mm. That's where teams get stuck. And it's the same thing when teams play at Cadinia Park against Geelong because the dimensions are so narrow that you're forced to kick down the line at the best of times. You don't want to take that risky option by switching the 45-degree kick into the middle of the ground and taking a risk through the corridor. So St Kilda have got to at least be bold and adventurous because last year, right, that didn't pay off. They only kicked, what, four goals for the entire game and were completely towered up. The other point I just want to talk about too before we move on as, as well is the matchup with Ryan Clark on Jack Sinclair. Because mm. when I think Clark first came back into the Swans team, it was round 15 last year and coach John Longmire, I think a few days beforehand, was like, can you play on Jack Sinclair? He's been absolutely killing it up. He's running from halfback, his ball use, the meters gained, all those facets, and he completely quelled Sinclair's influence on that night. And I look right away to Clark matching up on him at the first bounce. I think you're spot on. And, and uh, speaking of, I, I looked at that as I, as I love to look at player disposals. I noticed Sinclair only had 17 touches against Clark last year. And I think Saints even have to switch up his position just to get in the ball. Um, so interesting. I think you're right. Clark probably does go to Sinclair. 
Just um, speaking about Buddy's 350th, which you mentioned, we've got some stats here by our stats man, Justin Lawrence, who we want to give a shout out to, who gets some awesome stats insights for us each week, and we'll we'll bring them up on the podcast each week. Um, but Buddy's 350 stats, Buddy's coming to his milestone game against Saints this week in his 350th game. He also coincidentally played his 100th, his 200th, and his 300th game against the Saints. Can you believe that? That's so ironic, Miles. <laughs> How many players would have had that, Julian? Play <laughs> a milestone game against the same team. That is It's just, actually oh, ridiculous, wow. isn't it? I don't know how that has happened. And out of those um, games, his milestone games, he's won four of them and he's lost two. So, you know, I don't know if we can read into that too much, but we, we personally feel that Sydney obviously want to get up for the big games, especially when Buddy's involved. I remember in his, you know, when he kicked the thousandth goal, you know, they got up against Geelong and he kicked four goals. They were looking for him at every play. I wonder if there's a bit of that going on tonight. You never know. I think so too, Julian. What a night that was last year against Geelong when everyone ran onto the field. is just, I don't mm. know in a way if we'll ever see those scenes ever again. It was just mm. phenomenal, even though not being at the game, but watching on the TV was absolutely incredible highlights. So I think hopefully he's at least due for a big one. But the way, of course, Dougal Howard, Callum Wilkie and Josh Battle have been going, especially with Wilkie and Battle's yeah. intercept marking, they're going to make life tough on Buddy. Absolutely. And Wiederin, you're, you're Wiederin, I'll say, as you're a Carlton fan. He absolutely tore Buddy up last uh, round that they played. So Buddy needs to respond. But I agree, Wilkie is definitely primed to win that battle. But who knows? Um, just a few more stats on, on Buddy. In those milestone games, he averages more kicks, marks, handballs, scoring shots, inside 50s, and goal assists than his career average. So it, again, it speaks to the fact that Buddy does step up in his milestone games and the Swans are looking to get the ball in his hands in his milestone games as well. Um, yeah. We've got some other ones as well. Um, in his three milestone games against St. Kilda, he's kicked 13 goals in total, and he averages 8.7 marks and 17.3 disposals, which is quite a lot for a forward. That's phenomenal stats, mm. right, Julian? And I think I may not be wrong, but in terms of his overhead mark, he's never been a strong overhead mark, if I'm not mistaken, too, which is mm. it's surprising to say the least, but all other facets of his game, he, he's just completely unstoppable, especially during his prime. Absolutely, absolutely. We will move on because we've got to keep this quick. But just a couple of points I've noted for the Saints game is Anthony Caminiti gets the nod over Tim Membry. So the Saints obviously are pursuing with him up front. And, um, you know, with, with Rampy back but missing the McCartan brothers, we, we are using our tools with Caminiti and Max King down there. I thought maybe Membry could have fit in as well. But it's good to see Mitch Owens come back as, along with Marcus Windiger. So that would be two big inclusions. And then for Swans, they lose Luke Parker with the suspension. And they, they haven't played a game without him in a while from memory. And um, keen to see how Angus Sheldrick goes because he's been the sub a few times, but he's just tearing it up in the BFL for the Swans. He, I think he recorded 36 touches in his last game, and now he finally gets the start. So I'm keen to see how he goes, most likely on the wing or the halfback flank, I, I, I imagine. I'd say on the wing too, Julian, as well. I'm pretty sure he's from Claremont here in the Waffle as well. So he's yeah. had, a, as you mentioned too, Julian, a, a very good season in the VFL and getting his opportunity now considering, well, Parker's suspension too. And just all that in itself, I think it should be good to see him really put it out there on the AFL stage and what better time under the Thursday night lights against the Saints and with yep. basically what the season is to play with for Sydney at the moment, even though the last couple of weeks have at least been able to get back on track. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, we'll move on to Friday night football at Marvel Stadium, which is Western Bulldogs versus Port Adelaide. Bulldogs uh, coming off a loss that they, you know, it was against Geelong, which is a tough game, but 
if you saw the lineups last week, and I, I had a chance to listen to the podcast, the, the Dogs midfield was a lot classier on paper than the Cats, but they still managed to drop the game. They need to respond against Port Adelaide this Friday. There's a lot of their disposals too, Julian. There's a number there that on the footy show only, I think, last night put up on the graphic. And most of their players, such as Trelaw, had 29 disposals, 30, 31 disposals, mm-hmm. but didn't quite have the usual destroying efficiency compared to Geelong. And the disposal count was varying, disparaging to it was. And It was about, it was. I think, 400, 324 something. Yeah, 400, but which is a lot of team disposals to get. Mm. It is a lot. And normally the Bulldogs are a high disposal team. But for all of that, you, you consider they would actually use the ball a lot more effectively. But also kick in front of goal ultimately shot mm. them in the backside, what, 10 goals, 14 on the night. And they had kicked. I think it was two goals after half time and had major difficulties going inside 50, trying to hit up targets one on one. So I guess the way Port Adelaide's backline too has been holding up as well. And of course, with Trent McKenzie having a solid season itself and that Kane Farrell too off half back is really revitalizes that dashing half backer. They've been able to basically utilize Ryan Burton as a forward at times. Darcy Byrne-Jones playing as that defensive forward. The midfield, as we know, has just been firing on all cylinders with Zach Butters, who I think is arguably mm. was leading at the moment. The coaches' votes, yeah, Connor Rosie, Jason Horn-Francis, Ollie Wines has had a solid enough season too, as usual, from the Brownlow medalist from a couple of years ago. And yeah. Travis Boak, I think, is also back as well yeah. for the clash tonight as well. After He suffered that nasty knock in the ribs right from... Jack Viney yep. a couple of Friday nights ago. So they've got everything clicking at the moment, Julian. And Jeremy Finlayson was stellar too with like those five first-half goals. And they've just got mm. a galore of options everywhere at the moment. So it's looking super rosy for Port Adelaide. The longest winning streak in club history, nine in a row. I think they had a few eight-game winning streaks back in yeah. 2002, 2003 when they had a star-studded team back then likes of Josh Franco and Matt Primus, Warren Treadray. We can go through a list of names, but we'd be here for the next four hours if we were to do that. So it's just, yeah, everything's gone smooth sailing for Port after mm. round three and especially all starting with that incredible win over Sydney. Absolutely, you're spot on. And um, we are recording this podcast as the team's just come out, which is exciting. So we will go through the teams for our listeners here as well. And some things to note is Ollie Lord has been omitted, even though he's been holding his own up front for the Port Adelaide Power, but Charlie Dixon is back. So it's a bit hard to, you know, make a case for Lord over Dixon. And obviously, Yuri mentioned Boat comes back into the team. Ryan Burden, who we talked about swinging forward and back, he's actually been omitted alongside Riley Bonner because they actually, they, they really like what Dylan Williams brings to the team. And, you know, Darcy Byrne Jones, he's listed in the back line at the moment, although I'm sure, you know, these, you know, we know these don't actually reflect the actual lineup on the day. But yeah, there's three big omissions for Port Adelaide for players who are actually playing quite well. And, and over to the dogs, Ed Richards obviously pulled his hamstring against Geelong. He'll, he'll be out for about four to six weeks. And they've omitted Ryan Gardner and Tim O'Brien in that back line who, Probably looked a little bit exposed last week and didn't do too well against Hawkins, Stengel, and Rowan. So I think, yeah, with Josh Bruce coming back in and Alex Keith, they're probably looking to solidify the defense a little bit. It is a worry too, Julian. I think it has been for quite some time. It's been well documented about the Bulldogs' struggles in a way in their defense. And mm. I think now losing, of course, Ed, Ed Richards for basically what up to six weeks and Jason Johannesson too on the sidelines. He's had a 
resurrecting season the way too. I feel as though they probably have to opt for, again, Caleb Daniel, who basically yeah. was an All-Australian half back in 2019 before. I think he did his hamstring and missed a month of footy that season. And Bailey Dow, too, has been playing on the wing alongside Bailey Williams. So they'll yeah. have to switch those two back onto half back. I feel as though and try and supply more of that run, even though the two of them are super, super capable of doing it. So they've at least got options up their sleeve, though, to Bulldogs with attacking halfbacks and create create a lot of drive mm. down there all the way through the middle and up to their forward line. But yet again, it's just one of those ones, I think, too, where in terms of their forwards, Julian, and I think if they can try and get that separation at least at best and not kick it into those packs of four or five players, yeah. it'll at least give themselves every chance. And I think, again, now's the problem last Saturday night against Geelong, which got them into try to into quite a lot of trouble. And they didn't do that against Fremantle in round six, that comprehensive 49-point win. So they've got to at least try and find those blueprints from other games which they've been successful in and just stick to them and hopefully it works out. Absolutely. I think it'll be a super exciting game. Both teams um, like to play fast-paced, play on. So I think it's going to be another high-disposal game from both teams, and we really look forward to that one. Moving to Saturday at the MCG at 1.45 p.m., we've got Hawthorne versus Brisbane Lions, James Sicily and Samus Mitchell back for the Hawks, Bailey McDonald, Cam McKenzie and Sam Frost are out of the side. For Brisbane, we've got Devin Robertson, Jack Payne and Jackson Pry in. Zorko goes out with suspension. James Madden is the sub. Um, Coleman gets omitted and so does Brian Lester. Um, what are your thoughts on this game? You're the Hawks. They they look like they, they were set to lose by about 200 points last week. And then they, they brought it back and actually showed some okay signs in the fourth quarter. And they actually looked pretty good against the Saints as well the, the week prior. So do they have a chance at upsetting the Brisbane Lions given it's at the MCG? I don't think they're a chance, Julian, but they'll definitely give it a real shake for their money. And considering with James Sicily coming back from that one-game suspension for the hit on Anthony Caminiti, so that should, of course stabilise Hawthorne's back six because of his, his intercept mm. marking after that phenomenal 43, career-high 43 disposals and 16 marks. As well, last week against Port Adelaide, did watch the game, Julian, and as you mentioned, thought it was going to be a 25-26 goal hard at one point. It was 96 <laughs> points early in the third term and That's right. thinking, oh, no, for the at least the at least small baby steps of improvement Hawthorne has shown this season, this would be a considerable backward step. But no, they actually dug in and mm. fought and mm. trimmed the margin back to 55 points, even though it's still a comprehensive loss. They at least found something in that second half to yep. hold their hat on. And, of course, having Mitch Lewis back for the last handful of weeks too has given them that forward target after he had that breakout 2022 campaign. So many of the other youngsters too. John Newcomb has had another excellent season in the middle of the cold face and – of course, well, Cam McKenzie, whether he's the sub or not, I, we it's too hard to tell at this stage. So mm. there's still upside as well, Julian. And I think this was well mentioned too on the Footyology podcast. Ron Conley and Rodney Rocket Ed were talking about Hawthorne and some people came out and mentioned that, oh, it's the worst side since Fitzroy back in 1996. But as Rowan talked about in comprehensive detail, that's far from the truth. Mm. Hawthorne haven't gone out deliberately to tank to all of a sudden discard veterans as they, well, some allegedly said they did. But no, you've got to cut out some veteran players to build in youth and then build up those 
40, 50, 70 games into them until Absolutely. eventually you get a core group of players that are going to contend for the club's next premiership. And that's what they've been doing now for these last couple of seasons. And mm-hmm. yes, okay, th- three wins on the board, but it's still improvement nonetheless. So they've at least got something to hold their hat on, Julian, too. And Definitely. the biggest test, too, of course, against Brisbane, who are the sixth high-scoring team in the comp, which is just doing a bit of research this afternoon. But they've arguably got the most dangerous fourth line in the comp. So mm. that's going to be a real test for Hawthorne. Can they mitigate Brisbane scoring under 100 points? Because once they do, they're super hard to stop. You're spot on. I like what the Hawks are building. You're right. I think if you look at the midfield that they're, they're growing right now, Will Day, Connor Nash, John Newcomb, James Warple, I, I put a question mark over him, but yeah, even Dylan Moore as well. I mean, you know, Mitchell, who's back in the side, he's showed some signs. Um, Josh Weddle looked good against the Hawks. I mean, you know, we are looking at a, a team that could very well be in the top four within the next four or five years. And I, I, I you know, at, at the first, you're right, it, it looked like we weren't sure where they were going, but now I'm starting to see the direction that Mitchell's taken them. Yeah, definitely for sure too, Julian. And Connor Nash, before we move on to the next game, big fan of him. he's a had a, yes, yeah, a career best season, right? He, we didn't know exactly where he was playing. He was up <laughs> forward, maybe right. a bit off half back in the middle, but there wasn't a, a real solidifying position they had. And once Sam Mitchell took over the reins and basically said, well, we're going to play in the midfield and times plays a tagger. And the thing he has it at his advantage where the game has gone to, Julian, in terms of the evolution of midfielders, mm. he's a big-bodied midfielder, what, Absolutely. 197 centimetres. That's yep, crazy. Yep. You think about it. Tackling so that's the advantage. Well. Yes. Yeah. And it's never too late for players to revitalize their careers. You've seen firsthand Mason Wood, what mm-hmm. he's done the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. So it is never too late to figure out where your position is, solidify, work hard at it, and eventually get those rewards where people start talking about you. Absolutely. And just for our fantasy slash disposal listeners out there, um, Connor Nash is a player I've been tracking. And since round five, I'll just read out some of his disposal numbers. And this is after he um, he got a game where he had, I think he got concussed against Geelong and he only had 10 touches in at halftime. But since then, since being moved as a, into a, as into that tagging role and into the midfield, he had 31 touches, 28, 26, 26, 27, 30, 27, and then 21 last week against Port in the big loss. But those are some good numbers and really, really it shows a lot of growth for Connor Nash, which is awesome to see. It's super solid numbers too, Julian, and just the fact that Sam Mitchell has shown him, in, mm-hmm. shown in him has gone a long way. Absolutely. Okay, so we move on to Adelaide Oval. Adelaide coming off a loss against the Giants. Uh, not the Giants, sorry, the Gold Coast Suns uh, at TIO Stadium. I watched that game and, yeah, Adelaide got out to a 35-point lead at one point and then I think the Gold Coast Suns just played that weird ground a little bit better and, you know, Crows lost Doty and then they looked a little bit off after that. They are versing West Coast Eagles at Adelaide Oval. Speaking of bloodbaths, this could be one of them. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I think they can at least be competitive in patches too, Julian. And yeah. saw last week against Collingwood, our third quarter, they got what back within 14 points midway through the third quarter. And, well, maybe the upset was on the cards, but against Collingwood, no one does it though. They were just <laughs> far too clinical in the end. And the injuries eventually caught up with West Coast and – Wow, their injury list, this has been well documented for the last couple of seasons. <laughs> it is longer than a hospital ward. It is just <laughs> unbelievable. It's just yeah. you you can't you don't wish this upon any club. The injury list that they have been dealing with for yep. these last couple of seasons. And again, it doesn't get much better and you'll go through them very shortly, but at least 
picked out something in the way too. Dom Sheets, 150th. He had a fantastic yep. game. I think it was a career-high 43 disposals. Tim Kelly mm. has been tremendous all year, even through what well, has been a, yet another difficult season. And Oscar Allen too, he can hold his head up high. He's got, what, 32 majors for the season, considering the limited supply that he gets week in, week out. So there are a few positive pointers that they can point out, even though it's been yet another dismal season. And Adelaide, of course, those first quarters at home have just been scintillating the watch at best, and that's where they've just got the crowd up and going. It's what Port Adelaide did when I think Ken Hinckley took over back in 2013 and when they moved to the Adelaide Oval the following season. It became an absolute fortress, what, that never tear us apart song yep. before yep. the start of games. Who knows what Adelaide's going to do next season? <laughs> Who's their president? Who's their president? They might have to replicate something similar. Yep, yep. Uh, speaking of the uh, long injury list resembling a hospital ward, they, they've got six outs this week, the Eagles, and five of them are due to injury. <laughs> and Duggan obviously is out. Um, he's been playing really well, Duggan, and he's sadly out. Um, I shouldn't say sadly because they're trying to protect the players, but it was a tackle that didn't look too bad, to be honest. Um, he's out for one week um, with a suspension. But, yeah, they, they lose um, Callum Jamison, Connor West, Elijah Hewitt, who we saw get um, you know knocked out by Jordan Degoe. Josh Rotham goes out injured. Liam Duggan, as I just mentioned, and Shannon Hearn. And then in comes some, some okay names. We've got Darling back, Luke Shuey. Those are two good names. Petrescu Seaton. And Luke Edwards, and then the debut of I hope I pronounced this right, Ryan Marriage. I saw a video on him. He just um, got picked up as what the first, uh, you know, yes, first week, yeah, mid-season draft. First pick, first yeah. pick. Yes, it's definitely straight in an area. Yes, definitely an area West Coast needed to join. Yeah, right. Yeah, having at least another tall target to kick towards because mm-hmm. once they once Adelaide at least figure out too because with Jordan Butts and Nick Murray both have had. I'd say underrated seasons in a way too. Both have been holding up the back six nicely for Adelaide. Once they at least somehow stem Oscar Allen's supply, then a lot's going away from the hands of Ryan Marrick to at least produce. And, of course, I think that's where West Coast have fallen down considerably. If they don't get those other options going, then it's just going to make it super difficult. And considering when you don't generate a lot of score week in, week out, I think that just becomes more apparent. Absolutely. And for the Adelaide Crows, we, we mentioned in the Gold Coast game, Tom Doty went down injured. But unfortunately, that um, ended up being an ACL, which, you know, prayers up for Doty. That's not an injury you like to get. And um, a big milestone game, though, putting that aside, we've got Taylor Walker playing his 250th game. How, how many How many does he kick your ease? Are we going to see like a 10-bagger or is it going to be something more like six? <laughs> I think he – I think – I'll guess he'll kick five. I think, yeah, I think, I think we're going to see five is five for the go. And just that yep. forward line too, that the different dimension mix that they've got with Josh Rochelle. They can yeah. float Luke Pedler between midfield and forward. Isaac Rankine. Actually, the first time this season too, Julian, he was held goalless. And last week. Yeah. Well. yeah. Last <laughs> week. Yeah, he was held goalless. So just mm. looking through that this afternoon and that did come as a real surprise, but he's set for a bounce back game and just those options that they have and, they also have Ben Keyes who can play as a defensive four yeah. tag if they want to. And they've just got so many flexible options at their disposal. It's just going to be, I think, too hard to get for West Coast. Speaking of Adelaide, before we move on, and I'm 
glad you mentioned Ben Keys because when he moves into the midfield, he's oh, he just his numbers go up like crazy. It's it's just so it's night and day. Like he's you know coming off eleven touches in the forward line, and of course we know he plays such a pivotal role in their forward line as a forward tagger, and you know someone who can put on some pressure. But gee, in the midfield, twenty eight touches and nine tackles, and then against Gold Coast, twenty five touches, ten tackles, and two goals. I mean. He he averages I think about a hundred or so in in fantasy uh, when he's in the midfield. Uh, it's it's uh, he's just so solid in there. I don't know how they justify taking him out there. What do you think? I think it's a flexible option too, Julian, and that's why Adelaide have built over the last three four seasons with their midfield since the rebuild. What at the end of two thousand nineteen, and he was one of the players that Brisbane delisted, and Adelaide picked him up, and he's repaid Adelaide and in terms of what he's done on the field with his ball accumulation, he's tackling his defensive side of the game. They're all things that he's been praised for and rightly so too because it's hard in a way. You can't teach players, Julian, how to tackle, right? Mm. Tackle with intent but also laying pressure. A coach Mm. can't teach you that though. That's based on instincts. And once you get those instincts right, it comes naturally week in, week out as long as – you apply it mentally. And once you do, that's when you'll start getting those accolades like he's been getting for the last couple of seasons. Absolutely. That's a really good point. The, the consistent tacklers in the league, their, their numbers are always quite at, at the same point or, or higher. They're just like your Jack Steeles, your, well, I guess your Gimbys, your Dunkleys, you know, they're sort of names that come to mind. Um, and, and Keys definitely fits that mold. Moving on to uh, the uh, Saturday night game, 7.25 p.m. It's Fremantle, Dockers versus Richmond at Optus Stadium. This should be a cracker, actually. Fremantle, are they coming off five in a row from memory? Something like that? They are coming off, well, they're coming off four in a row now, too, right? after losing in round seven against Brisbane. And it has been a turnaround, hey. There's so much you can coincide with Fremantle's turnaround. And they've got themselves right back in that top eight mm. conversation where mm. I think most people after that Brisbane game were thinking, Oh, no. Hope was last year just a flash in a pan in a way too. The game styles are just too <laughs> mundane and all those cliches in a way too. Too slow, too stagnant, not yep. enough fluency, not enough transparency to be daring. But guess what? The last month has considerably flipped over its head. The scoring has gone up just over 100 points per game. It's 101.25 a game, even though... They kick 79 against Melbourne. But the defensive aspect is what they've got their identity back on. And that's yeah. what held them in such fantastic stead last year and got them through to a semi-final appearance and their first final appearance since 2015. All those little indicators are coming back. Andrew Brayshaw, after a slow start to the season, he mentioned on Perth Radio early last month that he'd been dealing through a knee issue. He'd been playing through a knee issue, rather. And that's go. what limited his production. And now he's basically producing what he produced last year. Mm-hmm. All-Australian, yep. won the Lee Matthews Trophy. Caleb Sarong's been fantastic. Jago Mira's fitting yep. in like a glove back home in WA. Luke Jackson's had a fantastic last month where mm. he had the critics coming his way. Of course, Sean Darcy's loss is a considerable one, but he should be back for Fremantle's next game after the bye two against GWS. I think it's in Monica in Canberra, their next game too against the Giants after the bye, and he's had a fantastic season. The backline, Alex Pierce and Brennan Cox have been stellar with their intercept marking. Luke Ryan too, he can play on tolls and smalls. And, and Hayden Young the whole. Well. Oh, Hayden Young too, he's kicking mm-hmm. off halfback. The only injury they've got on their very minimal injury list too, Julian, is Heath Chapman with that hamstring. Apart yep. from that, it's a clean bill of health. You can't super ask solid. for more than that. 
Absolutely. They're looking super solid. And I look at those names that you mentioned, and I'm I'm just going to read their starting backline for us. You can see how solid it is. It's Brennan Cox, Alex Pierce, Hayden Young, Brandon Walker, Luke Ryan, James H. And of course, we've got, you know, the likes of Jordan um, Clark who can go down there as well. It's a solid backline against a four line for Richmond that's still missing Lynch and, and Cumberland, you know, he was a sub, but he, he, he goes out injured this week. So he won't be playing. Um, yeah, do you reckon Richmond are a chance at this one, or is after the, you know we win against the Giants, or a Fremantle are too strong for them? I think the Dockers will prevail, Julian. Too, I think some of Richmond's defensive deficiencies caught them out after the first quarter against GWS, and it's not the same Richmond team during their Premiership dynasty that won three flags in four seasons, and those fleet pack of smalls that Fremantle have got with Michael Frederick, Michael Walters should is. Actually, he's not in the team. It's surprising. Actually, Liam mm, Henry's back in the team. So I thought Walters would pull up for this, would come into the team this week. Yep. So also Sam Switkowski and Lockie Schultz. Those four have combined for 56 majors this season. Last year, I think they combined for just over 100. So their pressure at ground level, their ability to get behind the defenders as they did against Geelong three weeks ago, that stood out. And that handball to kick ratio has definitely slided considerably too, Julian, because I think when you look at the inside 50 count, they were averaging 52, but the delivery that they were getting wasn't with any polish. Mm. The last month, they've had 53 inside 50s. The polish has been far better. They've had, I think, 13 marks on average inside 50. That's where they're generating more of their scores, and they're generating more of those easy looks going forward because they're lowering their eyes to their forwards, or if not, they're kicking to a contest and then their pack of Cortez Smalls are waiting at ground level to pick up the mm-hmm. loose crumbs. That's what's getting Fremal those easy scores. And that's what's absolutely t- led to his turnaround. And I think to Richmond as well, the other one that's been most interesting, Julian, I think what the Tigers have retinkered a little bit, I think with Marlon Pickett the last fortnight, they've played him as a defensive forward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and he was the match winner against the Giants. If you, yes. if you watch that game, he was. He was. Fan- <laughs> it's funny. He only had five touches up to the the last few minutes, and he ended up pulling out the last three players. One was the amazing assist to Preston, where he hit him lace out off the left, then kicking the winning goal, and then finally the third one, which wasn't recognised that much, was the tackle that stopped their final inside fifty. Three big plays from Picker to end up winning them the game, really. Yes, and that's the considerable change that Richmond made in the last couple of weeks, and. I think it'll be interesting to see who, who he goes on. Maybe a Luke Ryan, potentially. I feel yep. like that might be the matchup, actually. It could I be. I feel that would be it. And, and speaking or of maybe moves, Dustin Martin. Yeah, well, that's, that's right as well. Too. I was going to say, Dusty is another move that the Tigers made. They moved him a bit more into the midfield in the first half, and he was hitting some players lace out, and they were up to a 40 to 16 lead. But then, you know, when the Giants crawled back, especially in the last quarter, Dusty went back forward. Um, how do we see his position against the Dockers? Did they throw anyone to him? Is he going to have yeah, a Luke impact? Ryan. Luke yeah. Ryan will play yeah. him on him in the midfield. I think too, Julian. If he does rotate, go through middle. It would be nice to see Andrew Brayshaw go head to head with him. Yeah, yeah. That would be a mouthwatering matchup with. Yep. With both players and their super abilities with ball in hand too, and I think Saturday's weather here in Perth too is going to be raining at the best of times. So whether that, I think in a way, should I say they'll suit Richmond with their pressure, mm. ground-level pressure too. They love to frantically move the ball at all costs. So I think that's something to look out for if the rain is consistent. 
Yep, absolutely. Just um, mentioning those teams for Richmond. Ralph Smith goes out omitted. Um, Cumberland, as I said before, is injured. Nick Belaston, big in, coming back in for the Tigers. And then for Frio, as we said earlier, O'Meara, he falls into the Duggan category, gets out for a week with another dangerous tackle suspension. And then Sean Darcy, as you mentioned before, injured. So Luke Jackson might take on a lot of the rucking responsibility against Nankervis, which should be a good battle. Um, and then some milestones. We've got Liam Baker playing his 100th game and then his fellow backman, Daniel Rioli, playing his 150th. Yes, great achievements too for both players as well and both integral to Tigers' premiership. And Daniel Rioli's emergence in the last probably, I'd say, a season and a half too, Julian, when he did come back from a stint in the VFL midway through the 2021 season from a half four to a half back, mm. he's had an absolutely fantastic year with his drive-off half-back and his pinpoint disposal by foot. So it's a full kudos to him for the turnaround that he's had. And we've seen so many forwards go from the forward line where they've had their struggles and all of a sudden playing a new position and all of a sudden have a new lease of life. And he's been one of many. So, again, he's going to be crucial. And I think the matchup he'll probably get is either probably Sam Swakowski or Michael Frederick, I believe. Yep, yep. Um, we're going to move on to Sunday football, but just a quick one. We, we do like to um, have an element of fantasy slash betting for our listeners. And my tip is to make Angus Brayshaw or Caleb Sarong your captain. Richmond do not like to tag and midfields just run right against Richmond. So if the weather holds up, I'll be chucking the captaincy on Sarong or Brayshaw. Moving on to Sunday footy. We've got the 320 game over in Tassie. Now, this is an interesting one. North Melbourne versus the Giants. Now, I, I liked what I saw from North Melbourne against um, the Bombers, and maybe that's due to Brett Radden and a few changes. But sadly, talking about injuries and depleted midfields, gosh, they already had LDU out, and they were trialing you know, Greenwood in the middle again with um, Phillips. And now, sadly, Greenwood and Simpkin go out injured for the Kangas. And, but Cunnington is back in, along with Aiden Core, Blake Jury, their forward, Daniel Howe, and Paul Curtis. This might be their extended bench, actually. So a few of those names probably won't feature. And then for the Giants, we saw Brent Daniels go down injured. So Cameron Fleeton, Harry Ralston, Matt Flynn, and Nick Haynes are all on the, the lineup, the um, extended bench. I imagine Haynes will definitely be one of those ins. And Lachlan Keefe is playing his 100th game for the Giants. So how do we see this one playing out at Blackstone Arena, North Melbourne versus the Giants? I think it'll be close too, Julian. North Melbourne, I did watch that game against Essen last week and they were super unlucky to lose. They did oh, everything yeah. right. And considering Simkin and Greenwood went down with head knocks in the first half, I think Greenwood's head knock occurred with what in the final 15 seconds of the opening half and mm. he did not look good, especially the footage they showed. He was he was knocked down to next week, basically. And yeah. he, if he was playing and, of course, didn't suffer that head knock, he probably would have had one of those tagging roles probably on the – Stephen Canelo, I'd say too, he yep. probably will have played on. Or even, yeah, probably Cogs he'll have gone first on to. So that's a major loss too, and especially with Simkin, Simkin as well. It's just, mm. I think the other part, that was a real positive takeaway too. George Wardlaw, he was yep. fantastic. His yep. first handful of games. And Harry Sheasel again was another standout. The other one too has been super as well. And I think Will Phillips, he had that outstanding game against Collingwood. I think he had 29 disposals, 20. Three of them were handballs. He had another fantastic game for the Kangas last Sunday against Eston. So, again, there are those pieces just as Hawthorne have got their emerging, Julian. They're going to be stars of the club. And Nick Larkey, too, had another solid game. And yeah. I think, oh, Ben McKay. Ben McKay's the other one, Julian, that was terrific as well. It was. And that was arguably his best game of the season. He doesn't, of course, rack up a lot of the ball, but he was excellent with his 
in intercepts, turnies, one-on-one contests. So they've got those nucleus of facets going at the moment, and it's not all doom and gloom for North Melbourne. And the Giants as well, Brent Daniels has lost with a hamstring. I think he also injured in the first half last week against Richmond. That's the other considerable loss. And Toby Green, of course, he had another outstanding yeah. game. And what else? He always produces week in, week out. And I feel as though the Giants and what Adam Kingsley's done this season too, that real dare that they've gone back to that orange tsunami that yeah. they had under Leon Cameron before, for whatever reason, they completely just digressed away from and just turned into this boring, stale side to watch, which was so unfamiliar. Unlike the Giants that made the prelim in 2016, a grand final in 2019, a semi-final in 2018, a prelim final in 2017. So they've got that basic foundation back up and running again. And that's why I think the record that they've got at the moment is a little bit deceiving in a way too. Mm. So I feel as though in a way it may be high scoring yet again too because there was a game a couple of years ago between the sides where it was that draw, that unbelievable draw. And I'm just trying to remember who that – I think it was a North Melbourne or Giants player. Oh, it might be a GWS player. I can't remember his name out the top of my head. Had that chance to win it and completely sprayed his kick out in the full. So – yeah, it doesn't yeah. quite come to mind now, but they've had some close battles, even though last year was an absolutely complete blowout in the Giants' favour. So mm. I just see this game being nothing but close right to the very end. I think you're right. I think, um, yeah, North Melbourne, I watched that game against Essendon. It was so exciting. And they, they, they did get quite unlucky not to close it out, but credit to the Dons for hanging in there. Um, a couple of players to note for the Giants, who I, I've noticed are, are looking quite good. Lockie Ash is, is looking really awesome off the halfback. Maybe he's stepping up with Isaac Cummins being out injured, but yeah, he's starting to really, you know, shape himself into a great player and the players speak quite highly of him. Callum Ward looked really good against Richmond, starting in the midfield with the absence of Josh Kelly. Um, and Kieran Briggs, the ruckman for the Giants. Jeez, I think he averaged about 100 fantasy in, in the BFL. And now he's coming into the, uh, the AFL and he's doing the same thing. He's looking like a dominant ruckman out there. And I think he gets a nod over Flynn. So yeah, I don't know. He's, he's looking really good. One to watch out for. He has been good, Julian. And I think it was only his, I think, second or third game for the season and really stepped up in Flynn's absence. And Lockie Ash, too. I was surprised mm. going into the season, Julian. I thought they'd continue to stick him. As a tagger, playing as that tagger's role, because he had so much success last year. He held Tuke Miller to 17 disposals in a game against Gold Coast in round two. He claimed many other various scalps, and I mm. thought they may just stick to this because they've got enough running halfbacks with Isaac coming and Lockie Whitfield. But his move back into his move, shall I say, back on the halfback has given the Giants a lot of drive and a lot of creativity, and I think it's worked well for for him and also for Coach Adam Kingsley and the staff as well, that they can just rotate him through whenever needed. Yep. Moving over to the MCG. Oh, this is a this is a big one for you, and this is a big one for many fans. It's Carlton versus Essendon, the MCG. A 7.15 p.m. game. This is a new – is this a new game they're trialing on it a is. Sunday night? Yes, it is. I, it's I, I like the one. time slot. Given that we get the Monday off, I really like this time slot. I love this game. Oh, gosh. A Carlton ready. Are they ready for a big win? <laughs> Tell us, oh, talk to us, Carlton fan. What do you think? Oh, it's, it's been frustrating to say the best, Julian. It's just, oh, it, nothing can put into words how disappointing it has been in the last six, seven weeks just to mm. see the downfall and the amount of friction going on between the club, Bruce Matheson's resignation from the board, all this and just, oh, it's almost though 
you have to point one particular thing, Julian, and one thing that stands out super brightly out of almost everything. It's the game plan. What is the game plan? The game plan last year, right, the first 10 rounds when the Blues were sitting 8-2 and, and sitting top four, it was about being daring. It was about being using the middle, the corridor at all costs. It was about being adventurous. What's it been in the first 12 rounds? Conservative, mm-hmm. stale, yep, not daring, tight, rigid, all those things. And that's it's not a good omen to be playing under. And that's the reason why. And the skill, the skill efficiency, especially by foot. That's if been you the can't hit thing. a simple oh, if you can't hit a simple target, you're gaunsky. You're yep. cooked. And yep. that's what they found out against Collingwood three weeks ago. They found out against Melbourne, even though Melbourne didn't kick much better. They're they didn't play a great game. And yet again, it's almost though, again, no Kurnow, no Mackay, mm. where the goal's going to come from. And that's, that's where exactly the smalls, right. right? I can almost question some of the efforts, but I won't go into that because I don't think that would be fair in a way too because some efforts from some players was questionable at best too, especially pressure and tackling. And as we spoke upon a few minutes ago, no coach, no one can teach you how to mm-hmm. – apply pressure, that comes within the player to lay that. And that's been something that's been glaring. And Essendon, they're on the same boat as us, what, 12 months ago. They're 3-10, basically. And mm-hmm. look at their season now. Why are they sitting in sixth spot on the ladder under Brad Scott first season? He's applied all these dif- different defensive principles and where they've at least maintained a game style where they chip short first. But then once they find that open target, then they'll attack. Yep. But what's ours? It's just short, short, short. There was an yep. excellent piece of footage that Matthew Lloyd and Jimmy Bartell showed about with last Friday night when I think Doherty had the ball. He had Adam Saad running by. He opted not to use him. Last mm. year, there will have been a handball to Saad. He will have created off halfback, gone straight through the middle, and we will have been inside 50 with him two kicks. But that's not happening this season because we're going towards the boundary. And it's not giving our forwards any chance. It's just setting up for the opposition to set up for another ball up, another they'll, stoppage. Now look at that footage, I reckon. I'm, I think we're going to see a much more daring culture this week. I think we're going to see a lot more handball receives and quick play-ons um, because that's a, you're right, Doherty is a daring player and, and that's a handball that he would normally give. So I think that's definitely going to be a focal point for the Blues. Um, just quickly with the teams, again, we, we are looking at the extended interchange. So not all these names will be in, but for Carlton, they're looking at um, the inclusion of Ed Kerno, Jack Martin, Lockie Fogarty, Lachlan Cohen, Cowan or Cohen? Yeah, Lockie Cowan. Lockie, Lockie Cowan, Cowan. Sorry, and Mark Pittenet, Um, with Lockie O'Brien and Zach Fisher being omitted. And then for the Bombers, uh, Jake Kelly, Nick Bryan, Big Peter, right, two-meter Peter, and Tex Wanganin are the names on the extended bench with Dylan Shule obviously going out injured again. For the Bombers, there's a player I wanted to note who's doing really well as of the last three weeks. Well, he's been doing well since he debuted, which is Nick Martin. But, geez, he's looking so solid on the wing for them. He, he's, I mean, three fantasy tons in a row. His numbers, I mean, I think he's got 10, 11, and 9 or so marks in his last three games. He looks like a leader out there. I mean, he does not look like a second-year player. And, gosh, fitting so well nicely on the win. You think about Redman and Ridley in their back line, getting the ball to Martin. Merritt playing out of his skin, which is nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, the Bombers coming off three wins in a row. Carlton off five losses in a row, I believe. Oh, gosh, there's just so much to talk about with this game. We could probably talk about it for hours. Well, give me something, Yuri, before we move on. What's yeah, your final thoughts? Just one thing on Nick Martin too, Julian, and mm. he's from Subiaco. He had an excellent waffle campaign before he was drafted by Essendon, and he's just 
right from his first game, so you mentioned won the NAB Rising Star. Well, should I say he was a NAB Rising Star nominee in the opening round against Geelong last year. And he's just gone from strength to strength. He's ball use and he hardly wastes it by foot. Mm. And that's something that's really stood out with him. He doesn't need to grab 30, 35 disposals. He can have between 20 to 22 and still hurt you. And well plus on. hitting the scoreboard too. It's just those different department of areas that he is considerably given Essendon that lift. And considering as well the midfield, which is – of course, being without Darcy Parrish, he's still out with that calf injury. Will Setterfield with that foot injury. And they've just had rotation midfielders with Ben Hobbs, too, running in there now. And they've just fitted in like a glove, every single one of them. And it's just been – it's really coincided with the Bombers' turnaround this season. And, of course, now getting Peter Wright for his first game back this season, won the Crichton medal, Eston's best and fairest in 2022 after kicking a career-high 53 goals. It's looking up for the Bombers at this stage. And again, Zach Fisher for Carlton has dropped mm. for the second time this season. And Lockie O'Brien dropped again. Wow. Just, yeah, I, I don't know where to go. Just just got no trust at the moment with the Blues <laughs> at this stage. Let's and hope that it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to swallow. But just the way Essendon's been playing and just the all-round contributors at their gang, mm. it's just, just it's too hard to go against them. You heard it from a culture man himself. I feel like the Blues are ready to respond. Fantasy tips. I'm going to make Sam Walsh a, a, a key candidate for my captaincy this week. It's not often that he he doesn't. Well, this is actually the first game in about. I haven't looked this up, but off the top of my head, I reckon 30 games in a row he's had about 25 touches plus, and that streak ended against the uh, Swans. So looking for Sam Walsh to bounce back and have a big game against the Bombers. All right, moving on. We've got final five minutes, and we're going to talk about. I wish I had more time to talk about probably one of the biggest games of the year. Well, hopefully it lives up to that expectation we have the demons versus the collinwood magpies on the king's birthday uh, the teams aren't out yet but gosh you don't need the teams to realize that this is going to be a huge blockbuster game yuri where do we start with this game it's going to be a mouthful encounter that's for sure julian too the collinwood backline is just oh it's impenetrable to say the least. it's like super glue you just can't <laughs> you can't get off the darcy mm. moore's just racking up intercept marks at will nathan murphy who from last season, yeah. just has gone from leaps and bounds. And, of course, it being well, Jeremy Howe still on the sidelines with that nasty fractured arm all the way back in the opening round against Geelong. And John Noble, Isaac Quainer supplying him that runoff halfback. Just the back line is super solid. The midfield, of course, with Tom Mitchell's addition this season is just only complemented and added to the depth of their midfield too. Losing Jordan to go for the next three weeks, of course, that's a blow in itself, but... The depth that they've got, Collingwood, and up for to the pressure, Bo McCreary, Jack Ginevan, Bobby Hill, complimenting yeah. Brody Mycheck, and so those targets that they have, Julian, and once they kick more than 14, 15 goals a game, they are, they're just super hard to curtail. And Melbourne, too, we saw a couple of years ago in that premiership year kicking points at will. And again, those issues that they've had probably midway through last year and the first half of this year with that delivery inside 50s, haunted them yet again and last Friday night their skills weren't up to the usual Melbourne standard that we've seen for the last three seasons so if they can at least touch on touch up on it it's going to make for another mouth-watering mouth-watering contest but they played the way they did against Carlton last Friday night and you can't against Collingwood because they aren't the most aggressive pressure side in terms of tackling but if you keep chipping the ball around they'll close up that space eventually and that leads to turnovers. And that's the problem teams have had once Collingwood catch them on the counter-attack. So Melbourne kind of fall to fall to that trap. And Collingwood, of course, will look at what Port Adelaide 
and Freeman have done the last couple of weeks and yep. stifling the influence of May and Lever. And I was just wondering what Collingwood would do in terms of do they use a defensive forward in the way on them? That's my intriguing point. Maybe not. I don't think so. They'll just go with the usual matchups. Play, and That's right. I think they'll play their game and so will Melbourne. And, and we can't see the teams at the moment, but we know some big inclusions are coming for Melbourne, one being Clayton Oliver. Absolutely huge. I don't know how he's recovered so quickly, but he's that Melbourne are a different team, and and there's obviously it's easy to say that when Clayton Oliver is elite in pretty much every category, but he is such a big inclusion for them. And obviously, another big game is for Brody Grundy coming against his old side, and he's got he wants he's actually told Gorn midweek that he wants the best <laughs> he wants the first bounce, the best end of bounds, and he's got a point to prove against the Pies. Ah, oh, mouthwatering contest, did you said? How do you how do you feel that the day's going to go with Oliver and Grundy? I should speak of which too, Julian. I think Oliver's still 50-50 at the moment because he suffered a blister during the week. I did say yes. that. I saw another so, post recently with Goodwin being like, he's got 10 days to get right. He will, he'll be playing. Yes. That was 10 days ago, sorry. So that, you okay, know. so... I, yeah, imagine, I, I imagine he would... I just can't see him missing this game. No, no. I'm just thinking away too because there have been so many close encounters between the two sides and 2010 is one that stands out. There was a game which Collingwood won by a point and then there was yeah. that drawn game where... Collingwood shot themselves in the foot with poor kicking and I think they kicked nine goals 22 that afternoon and those are two closest games that come to mind 13 years ago and I think we should expect something similar to that. 2017 when Jack Watts kicked that running goal from inside 50 to seal the game, that was another epic encounter. So I can't see, again, the game's going to be super tight. Again, both teams have been super in contested ball, the clearances as well. And inside 50s, both teams are right up there. I just feel, in a way, too, if Collingwood's fleet of smalls, again, and their quickness around the ground, too, which Melbourne can utilise with their ball movement, I think if Collingwood get down their terms, I think that's where to go and catch them. It, I wish we could see the teams, even though I, I said we, we know there's so much to talk about without them. I just wish we could look at the lineups and see, because I think Melbourne with Oliver are a different side, and they, we can't you know, underestimate how strong they are, especially at the MCG. But Collingwood do go into this as favourites just by a small amount to the Ds who had priced just over $2. That brings us to the end of the round 13 previews. It's uh, a good good round to look forward to, I imagine. The Saints game has just kicked off as well, so we'll, um, we'll watch that one a little bit. Yuri, were there any final tips or insights or anything else, else you wanted to point out to our listeners before round 13 kicks off? I don't think there's too much else, I think, Julian, too. I think just going into this round, just the unpredictability. Yet again, we talk about each week, but I think the way, too, Carlton, well, the way things have been under the microscope for the last month and a half is just <laughs> eventually something's got to happen come Sunday night. And it's the first mm-hmm. game, actually, too, between the two teams on the Sunday night since round three, 2014. So yep. as you mentioned, too, this is a new trial that Carlton and Essendon want to do now with the pre-King's birthday clash. They want to do it the day beforehand and as a lead up into it. And again, I think it's a good move and why not? And of course, being the long weekend as well, it just fits in perfectly. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. All right. This is where we wrap up our AFL Thursday night podcast from the Mojo Sports Network. My name is Julian Balthazar. This is where we talk about fantasy previews, uh, the matchups, disposals, and insights for each round. I'm joined. I was joined by Yuri Bilicic. Yuri, do you have anything you want to plug? Hi. Right, so just basically this podcast, and next week too, we're going to 
have the next NBA show as well, looking at, mm. well, basically we'll be, what, five games into the finals, the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat after Denver won game three <laughs> behind two triple doubles from Nicole Jokic <laughs> and Jamal Murray and Christian Braun. The man off the bench after three years at Kansas, he is no ordinary rookie. Super exciting. Yes, you and I are friends through the uh, NBA podcast. We could probably uh, be here for another two hours or so talking about Game 3, so we'll try not to talk about NBA. And just a quick thank you to Justin Lawrence who provided us with some stats, and he's going to get us some awesome insights in the upcoming weeks as well. Awesome. All right, well, that brings us to the end. So, Yuri, we'll see you next week, and good luck for Round 3, and we hope the Blues get up. Hopefully so, Julian. Awesome. Thank you for chatting with me. All right, see you guys.